Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Canteen Carlin Podcast. It's not the Yankees. We're going to tell you about it in a second on Canteen Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Michelle Smallman alongside Matt Jones. Good afternoon, Matt. How are you doing? I'm doing amazing. Baseball trade deadline and otherwise a pretty dry desert of sports. But those are my favorite days, Michelle. You and I are just meeting each other for the first time here on the radio, and we'll get to talk about a lot of interesting stuff. A St. Louis and Kentucky uh, born hosts, right? Only four hours apart, getting to show these folks from the coast what's up. That's right. Well, um, I look forward to learning more about you as these four hours go on and talk about the heartland of America. But we need to start the sports talks, uh, sport talk on one of the coasts. Excuse me. We do have some breaking news today. Is MLB trade deadline day. The deadline is 6 p.m. Eastern time, and one of the big dominoes has fallen. The Houston Astros have a deal in place to acquire ace Justin Verlander from the New York Mets. This is according to our Jeff Passan. Mark Feinsand of MLB.com is reporting that the Mets will receive outfielder Drew Gilbert from the Astros in this deal for Verlander, plus at least one other prospect. It's not known how much money the Mets are going to send to Houston, and Gilbert is the Astros' number one prospect and number 68 overall in MLB, according to MLB Pipeline. And Matt, we had heard rumblings that Justin Verlander might be part of the Mets' fire sale as things continue to get worse for them, but it looks like uh, he had all the power. He had the, the no-trade clause in place, and he is going back to Houston. Yeah, the Justin Verlander Mets jersey will be one that when you get it in the future, it'll be quite a collectible since it didn't exist for very long. I think it makes sense uh, for both teams. Uh, Look, this year in baseball, the Braves are the best team. But then after that, you could make a case that the other 15 or 16 teams that are in the playoff hunt all could convince themselves that if if they got hot, why not, right? Why wouldn't they have a chance to win it? And in the American League especially, I think of the top seven to eight teams, there's no difference between those teams really. So if you're Houston, you go get Scherzer, you go get Verlander, and now you can say, okay, we'll go into the playoffs with as good a pitching as anybody, especially with Verlander. The last six, seven games, he's looked like his old self. He gets to go back home. He's comfortable to it. It gives me more reasons to root against them because they're basically getting the game back together. So I think it makes perfect sense. And we also should note, the Mets 2021 team goes down as one of the biggest disappointments probably in the history of baseball. Certainly one of the most expensive disappointments. They have a, almost a $400 million payroll, and it's been nothing but a disaster, Matt. And here they are on deadline day trading off some of their big pieces. Scherzer goes, now Verlander goes. I can't believe how bad it got in a, as short of a, a time frame as it did. I mean, they're 50 and 55. That's amazing to me. They're 50 and 55. And just look at the teams in baseball that have a winning record right now, like a substantial winning record. Baltimore, Tampa Bay, Cincinnati, the Marlins, the Diamondbacks. And you look at the payrolls of those teams. And then you look at the con- – and contrast that with the Mets. It's embarrassing. I mean, it is embarrassing. They're 
The Reds' third highest paid player on the team is Ken Griffey Jr. Think about that for a second. I'm not even kidding. It's, it's Ken Griffey Jr. And the fact that te- a team that is Ken Griffey Jr. is the third highest paid player is 15 games ahead of the Mets says what a disaster that's been. Absolutely. Well, let's hear from our ESPN Major League Baseball insider Jeff Passan. He has all the details about Justin Verlander going to Houston. Justin Verlander, the New York Mets ace, now that Max Scherzer is gone, is also leaving town. He has been traded to the Houston Astros, a place where he won a World Series and a place that in the offseason wanted to give him only a one-year deal. Verlander goes to Houston after signing a two-year $86 million deal with the New York Mets. There's also a conditional option for a third year if he pitches 140 innings next year. That scared a lot of teams off, but the Astros clearly know what they're getting getting in Justin Verlander. He has been their ace before, and he's going to be their ace again for another run. And Matt, the Astros are in a good position. They're a half game out in the AL West. They obviously know Verlander. When I heard that they had emerged as one of the teams that was in the hunt for him, Jim Crane knows him. He was heavily involved in the negotiations the last time. And with Justin Verlander having the power, I thought that this might be a match made in heaven for these two. So I'm not surprised to see it get done today. I'm not surprised, but I think Jeff made an interesting point. Houston only offered him a year, a, a mm-hmm. year's contract uh, lad, earlier this year when he was a free agent. I, I don't want to divvy into your personal life, but I've tried <laughs> to rebuild relationships in my life where you date someone, you're apart, and then you say, all right, let's try this again. And everybody <laughs> can say that they don't hold a grudge. But the stuff from the first time around, it comes back the second time. And I do wonder if Verlander, still frustrated by the fact that they only offered him one year, because he has said in, that like he might have taken less money to stay in Houston, but it was the two years, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Well, now they're coming back. They're going to have to give him the th- two years, might have to give him the three years. And I just think that's going to be interesting to watch. I'm sure they'll make it work, but there's probably a, something in the back of Justin's mind saying, Why didn't you all do this before? Why did you make me get that expensive place in New York that I had to live in for a while? I could have stayed right here in Houston. So I do think that's something interesting to watch as he goes to his old team because it is very rarely the case that a guy goes back. They say you can't come home again. It's very rare that it's as good as it was the first time. We'll see if it happens here. But it is also uh, a tale as old as time, Matt, when maybe you leave a relationship and you get into a new one and it's way worse than the one you just left. Yeah, but that doesn't mean you go back <laughs> to the other one. Like, I, like the, the, I'm just you know, I, 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 listen, clearly, I have clearly been, New York was not good. <laughs> I am in my early 40s and single, so clearly I'm not the relationship expert. But I will note that I just, I think it's going to be odd, you know. Verlander pitched poorly for most of this year, and then only in the last month and a half have we seen the old Verlander. So Houston, I guess, decided – I mean, somebody who knows more about the Mets can tell me. There might be six to eight starts he's had well in a row. I just think it's interesting. If you didn't believe he deserved two to three years before, the first half of the season seemed to validate your concern. Mm -hmm. It's just odd to me that six to eight starts would lead you to go – okay, we're going back for this. But I do think it's because Houston looks at this baseball pick. You know, last year there were five teams that won over 100 games, and they were all so much better than everybody else. I think Houston looks at this and goes, nobody's great, so why don't we go for it? Well, now that Justin Verlander's off the table, what are other teams going to do? Let's hear again from Jeff Passan. 
Yeah, I mean, the Orioles, the Padres, the Dodgers, there were a number of teams interested in Justin Verlander. And look, Eduardo Rodriguez and Michael Lorenzen, probably the two best starters out there. And of course, Dylan Cease with the Chicago White Sox could possibly be moved. There's not a lot of pitching inventory at this point, frankly. And so they're scrambling from other teams. But now that Verlander's off the board, the expectation is that before the 6 p.m. deadline, there's going to be a lot of movement in the starting pitching market. And I would anticipate that the Orioles are going to go out and get someone for certain. The Dodgers looking to as well. Cincinnati. There's not a lot of starters. There are still a lot of teams looking for them, though. I heard Cincinnati in there, Matt, yes, as a Reds fan. Yeah, did your ears perk up a little bit? Well, I mean, you know, Verlander, I think for a lot of teams, the price for Verlander was too high. So, like, go through the ones we're talking about. The Dodgers could have done it. But Cincinnati, Baltimore, Tampa Bay, they're all looking for starters. They're not going to play the Verlander price. But Everybody was kind of waiting to see what he does. Now there's another market, Julio Rodriguez with uh, Detroit. There's like three or four guys that the teams like those can bid. And I'd love to be Detroit sitting there right now with maybe two starters people want and four or five teams coming after them. You know, listen, Jeff Passan has forgotten more than I know about baseball. But I think the next three hours, and we're going to be on the air through it, I think you're going to see a lot of moves. On paper, they're not going to be as sexy as the Justin Verlander move, but they're going to be consequential. And I think every one of those teams he just mentioned, Baltimore, the Dodgers, and Cincinnati, will in the next three hours probably pick up a starting pitcher. Probably. And we'll keep everyone updated as we get those reports. One other note about this, Matt. I'm really interested to see when the finals number, the final numbers come out, how much Steve Cohen paid down off Verlander's price. Yeah, because that too. was a, a component of this, is that obviously the, the price tag was high and he reportedly was willing to pay down some of that fee. And I'll be interested to see how much he inevitably agreed to. And when we look back on this Mets experiment, this very, very, very expensive experiment. How are we going to to view all this other than a, as a complete disaster? I mean, I just can't believe that he spent this much money and then we're having a fire sale on August 1st. Yeah, it's, it's, it is. He deserves a lot of credit. The whole organization does. But let me ask you this. I, I, I'm a big believer. Maybe it's because, you know, I've been a Reds fan that dealing for prospects at the, at the deadline makes sense. But I saw a stat today that made me that, made, that I found interesting. In the last 20 years, I think it was, of, of deals in the week before the deadline, you know how many prospects that have been dealt in those 20 years ever ended up playing two years in the major leagues? Ooh, I don't know, but I really want to find out. I love this stat already. The answer is 21%. 21%, only, only one out of five prospects dealt at the deadline. Now, of course, they're not all equal. This prospect the Mets got was the number one prospect in the Astros organization. But only one out of five. And and the teams have gotten better, which makes sense with analytics. Now in the last 10 years, it's 25%. But that's still only one out of four, Michelle. I mean, I do think there's a sense of you might as well go for it because who knows if these dudes are going to be any good. And I think historically, you organizations value their own prospects more than than other organizations do externally and a lot of teams are very apprehensive to give up some of these prospects because they scouted them they drafted them they nurtured them and they want to be there for the payoff but that's a great stat because how many of these guys actually hit when they do get moved 21 percent they very rarely you know they very rarely do you get success stories okay last year the Reds trade Luis Castillo to the to the to the Mariners. Tyler Male. Uh, they traded uh, Sonny Gray, and they ended up with the foundations of the team they have this year. 
They have mm-hmm. three starters out of that group, but that's rare. Most of the time, you don't hit like that. We'll see if it works out for the Mets. He's Matt Jones. I'm Michelle Smallman. It's Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio, and ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. You can get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. As far as, you know, what we have going on here, I kind of live by saying if you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping. So hate away. Obviously, we're doing something right if you got to talk about us when we don't play you till week four. Sean Payton's not shy about letting people know how he feels about things. If he gets asked a question, he's going to answer it bluntly. And I think that's what he was doing while also sending a message to everybody within his organization about what the culture is going to be moving forward. For a guy like Sean Payton, it was a small move by him. You don't have to mention his name. You don't have to mention the New York Jets. Matt, he mentioned it all. Sean Payton right. mentioned it all. Good. He should his comments to USA Today. He did not hold back on what he thought about Nathaniel Hackett and more specifically about his tenure as the Broncos head coach. He said it was possibly one of the worst coaching jobs in NFL history. Was he we, wrong? Was he wrong? It was not great. 15 games and the plug was pulled. It was a disaster. It was kind of, what's more of a disaster? What we saw from the New York Mets this season or what Nathaniel Hackett did with the Broncos last year? I think year? it's Hackett because you hire a coach <laughs> and then they had, had to hire a coach to help him coach. They had to hire a guy to do, if you remember, the time game management, which when you're a head coach in the NFL, isn't that what you're there for more than anything is game management? And he couldn't even do that. And by the way, I do think it's funny. What is it, Robert Sala, with his, if you ain't got haters, you ain't popping. It's just it's my, my opinion only. There comes an age where you can't seriously say phrases like, you ain't popping. I'm not <laughs> sure if Robert Sala is at that age. But, like, I couldn't look in the mirror and go, you know what? If, if I got haters, then that means I'm popping and not laugh at myself. It didn't seem like he did. I thought maybe, you know, maybe he's a little old to be saying that, but that's just me. Okay, so what's the age limit then? 35, 40? I think it's 35. I think the moment, the moment that you are at an age where, like, you have kids who could reasonably be going to high school, you can't say you ain't popping because your kids will laugh at you. They'll roll their eyes. So I'd say 35 to 38, and I assume he's older than that. I just looked it up. Research confirms he's 44 years old. That's my age. Okay, Robert Sala, you're cooler <laughs> than I am, but you and I should not be walking around talking about who's popping. If you ain't so got I no haters, was... you ain't popping. Yeah, there I know. Like, see, even when he says it, it's like, come on, man, you're 44 years old. Like, stop with the popping. That's just me. I think they're going to be T-shirts that you're going to see. <laughs> no, all, I know there will. All there will. over in New York, people are going to be rocking that phrase, especially if they have success. They're going to use that as their rallying cry. Well, we did hear from Robert Sala, whose response was, "If you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping." We heard from Aaron Rodgers, who said, "Keep my coach's name out of your mouth." In regards to Sean Payton's comments about Nathaniel Hackett, the Jets' offensive coordinator has responded himself, Matt, and you and I have not had a chance yeah, to hear not these heard comments. This. We have yes. no idea what he's saying, so you're going to get our natural reaction. Yes, well, let's hear what his reaction was to Sean Payton's comments in USA Today about his coaching job. Obviously, last week has been a uh, very unique week, I think, uh, for for this organization. And, um, you know, I've been involved in this business my whole life, 43 years. And uh, as a coach, you know, as a coach's kid, uh, you know, we live in a glass house. We know that. We all live in different rooms. We all got a key for it. And it's one of those things that there's a code, there's a way things are done in that house. And, oh. you know, this past week, it, it's, it's, it's frustrating and it sucks, but uh, 
we're all susceptible to it. Wow, he re- he referenced like bro code. Like, what do you do? Like the uh, the like, did the, he? I mean, he's talking about glass house and keys. All right, well, apparently, then he was asked if he thought Sean Payton broke the code. I do, and I, I just think that within within this glass house that we all live in, and it's one of those things. It's it, it's very expected. I mean, we, we, you knew it was going to happen. You knew he was going to handle it that way at some point. It's how it was going all last year. And uh, but hey, now now it is what it is, and we move on. I'm very excited about this team. There's been a lot of really good stuff going on here, uh, and I want to be sure we're focusing on that because uh, th- that that's in the past. Learn from your mistakes, move on. All of us. Wow, that's interesting. You know, I feel like Michelle that he's clearly upset that he said it. But I, I like how he said I had a glass house last year. No, I mean, to be fair, you sucked. So, like, I understand why people – you had a glass house because literally every, you were breaking it every single time you got on the field. So, I keep – these folks, and this includes Sala, and it includes Aaron Rodgers, and it includes Hackett, they're acting like, Michelle, this criticism wasn't warranted. It was. Should Peyton have said it? Well, you can have different opinions about that. But it was true and warranted, don't you think? Partially, because okay. I I think he, in just pointing out what, what Nathaniel Hackett did as the head coach and especially some of the penalties he referenced, I understand that. He's coming in and saying, this person made a mess and I'm cleaning it up. But I think... The comments that he made was trying to gas up his quarterback and Russell Wilson and essentially say, we're pointing the finger at Nathaniel Hackett. This had nothing to do with Russ. They needed to be the parents in the room and not let him bring his personal quarterback's coach, not have PR, the pomp and circumstance. Why do you feel the need to have to do that publicly for your quarterback? Why? And by saying that he needed PR and pomp and circumstance last year, isn't that exactly what you're doing now? You're trying to reverse the narrative. You're trying to get your name in the headlines. Sean Payne's a smart guy. He's been around this league a long time. He knew by making those comments to USA Today that we would be analyzing everything he said. And I just think that inadvertently he showed us a lot about where his quarterback's mental state is and what Russell Wilson has been in that organization. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about it like that. I don't think that's a, a, a ridiculous position. I'll just say this. He owes Nathaniel Hackett nothing. Like, it's like you move into a house – and, the, and then all of a sudden there are all these interior problems that you have to fix, and you just look at the former owner like, really, did you have to do it like this? He owes Hackett nothing. He does, if he wants to succeed, need to build up Russell Wilson. And if he thinks this is what he needs to do, then I'm cool with it. I find Russell Wilson to be really like an odd person. But nevertheless, Sean Payton's not going to succeed unless Russell Wilson succeeds. He owes Russell Wilson to make it as good as possible. As far as Nathaniel Hackett, I'm okay going, I bought this house, it's a clunker, and it ain't my fault, it's because of the guy before. Some of these analogies coming out of Jets camp, though, Robert Sala with the crows pecking on your neck, and then they fall off and suffocate because they fell. And Nathaniel Hackett, yeah, with the glass house and the keys, and everybody's got a key. Just just say what you feel. We don't yeah. need the Well, analogy. that's the Aaron Rodgers influence. <laughs> that's the Aaron Rodgers influence. He goes, he does the ayahuasca, everything is metaphysical, and they're all trying <laughs> to keep up with him. That's Aaron Rodgers' fault. He's turning everybody into D-grade poets over there in New York. If you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Indeed. He's Matt Jones. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming up next, what's taking the Jets so long to sign Dalvin Cook? We're going to find out from somebody who knows, Canteen Carlin, on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. 
Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. I kind of live by saying, if you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping. So hate away. If he gets asked a question, he's going to answer it bluntly. And I think that's what he was doing while also sending a message to everybody within his organization. For a guy like Sean Payton, it was a small move by him. Alongside Matt Jones, I'm Michelle Smallman. It's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance, and you can always join the conversation, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Matt, we talked last segment about you can't say haters and pop in. 
if you're above yes. the age of 35. But then during the break, we determined that if, if Robert Sala, who looks like he could really beat someone up, says it, I think it's okay. I think No, it's still not okay. <laughs> you just, you're only saying that because you like him and you're in New York. It's still not okay. Now, he is, he is, you know, he's in good shape. So, like, he's not like your normal sort of dorky 44-year-old. But there, we have to make rules. And there have to be <laughs> rules about when you can say things like that. And the other thing is, let me say this. He says, you got haters, we ain't popping. Stop. You all have been terrible for years. I don't want to hear it right now. Well, we do want to hear from our ESPN NFL reporter, Diana Rossini, who joins us now. She's been covering the Jets. Diana, thank you for the time. Always great to chat with you. You are at the Nathaniel Hackett and Aaron Rodgers press conferences, but I want to start with Nathaniel Hackett. What was the vibe like when he was talking about Sean Payton's comments about his coaching job with Denver? Take us through what what the experience was and what it felt like. Yeah, hi, Michelle. Um, Yeah, so Nathaniel Hackett definitely had something to say. He came out um, speaking to the media like an offensive coordinator normally would once a week, Uh, except this time he, he came out with a statement uh, nothing he read, just something he obviously had prepared. And he addressed Sean Payton without saying Sean's name and basically just uh, pointed to last week's situation and, and really saying that they broke code, that, that coaches aren't supposed to do that to one another. And you could just tell from his tone, the way he was talking, the pace of his words, that this has been boiling up that this is something he's been holding in and, and you have to figure it must be very difficult to be him in the moment. Um, not just last Thursday, walking at the field, hearing that Sean Payton said all this, but then having to talk to your family about it and your friends. And, and he even talked about going to his phone and having all the text messages from all the different people asking if he's okay. He's like, it almost felt like something even worse happened. Like, like something terrible. Uh, obviously these were just words and things that, that he would never do. Um, and, you know, from talking to people even inside the building over the last few days, he was, he was, Nathaniel Hackett was not happy at all. He was embarrassed by what Sean Payton had to say. And I think in the end, and, and Hackett pointed to this, Aaron Rodgers being the one to come up to him and talk about it and discuss it with him and have a conversation about how to respond to it and how to not care about it. Um, and then obviously Aaron Rodgers coming out swinging for his guy all helped him manage it and, and got us to today. And, and he really kept leaning into this galvanizing the team. I asked him a very simple question, which was, what did this make you feel like? How did this feel? Um, and he said, it wasn't about me. And I think he tried his best at taking the high road, and I think he did a good job with it. Dana, I, I, I understand everything you're saying, and I get, like, everyone should do whatever they can do to make themselves feel better. So if that if that was how it worked for him, I, I understand that. But at the same time, all of these responses, Robert Salas, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he was going to be asked about it. He had to respond. But Robert Sala and Aaron Rodgers, it does make it a bigger story. I mean, if they had not responded the way they did, it probably spends one day and then everybody moves on. I do think there's a sense, maybe this is how they rally their organization, but I do think a sense that the fact that it is so obvious it got to them almost is making it bigger than if they had just said, ah, whatever, it's a new time. I think it's a young, new relationship here where everyone is protective of everybody. Uh, I think there's a family feel here that's being established, that they're trying 
to build and bond over. Um, obviously, Aaron is the newest one, um, and he runs this team. He runs this organization, um, and the way he feels about things is the way they need to feel about it. And his relationship with Nathaniel Hackett, he loves Nathaniel Hackett more than any person on this planet. And I'm not saying that to be funny. I've never heard anyone talk about a coach the way Aaron Rodgers talks about Nathaniel Hackett. Really? From, from his day wow. one press conference till today, it's it's constant, constant hitting you over the head to re, to let you know that you, that you don't see what he sees, that he sees uh, an incredible coach, an incredible play caller, uh, a coach that can uh, run a productive offense. It's not Aaron Rodgers' skill. It's Nathaniel Hackett's um, des- play design. You know, he's going to call plays for this team uh, for the first time with Aaron Rodgers under center, and, and we're going to see what this looks like. But but I agree with you that it certainly burned this organization. This team was bothered by it. And we can debate whether or not them being bothered was a good thing or a bad thing, uh, but the message has been sent from the Jets organization, and that's you're not going to talk about us. You're not going to put down our coach. We've got their backs. And I think maybe their pers- their perspective of this is we're, we're a tight-knit family and you don't talk about our family, only we can. Diana, I want to go back to what you just said about Aaron Rodgers running things there. We knew that – with his level of experience that, of course, he would have a certain amount of autonomy. He wanted that in leaving Green Bay, but he is still a new figure being inserted into a new organization. Um, How has that worked so far? Has everyone kind of fallen in line behind what Aaron Rodgers wants to do? What Aaron wants, Aaron gets. What Aaron um, wants to see from this team, whether it means what they're serving at lunch to what the play calls are going to be, it's what Aaron Rodgers wants. It's making sure he's comfortable and then everything else falls in place. He has full control over every single thing at Florham Park. And it's apparent. You see it. You feel it. You know it. The rules are what Aaron Rodgers wants. And that's the tone here. And that will tell you it's a collaboration. And and there's some of that. Robert Sala is one of the most open-minded head coaches I've ever been around in terms of really loves to listen to people and get their insight uh, he appreciates people who share their opinion, their vision, uh, and he's also a really kind, just human being. And I and I understand why he's been able to become a head coach as fast as he has because of that ability to connect with people. So he's done a good job of just allowing Aaron Rodgers, who's won a Super Bowl, who's a four-time MVP, to take the you know to sit in the driver's seat, take the steering wheel, and take this Jets team for a ride because that's exactly what's happening. Great information from our ESPN NFL reporter, Diana Rossini, who's covering the Jets. Diana, we appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. And if anyone ever said anything about Michelle Smallman, I would be roaring loudly, <laughs> just so you guys know. <laughs> She's the I, best. I, listen, I, that's, She's my I, I'm Rogers. with you. This is the first day I've met her, and I agree, Diana. Uh, Diana's my girl. She's my Aaron Rodgers. So if I have a, a Nathaniel Hackett-type show, I just need to call up Diana Rossini because well, she'll have my back. Don't you think there's a little bit, though, with the Jets of this methinks thou doth protest too much? Like, there's just a little bit of none of this stuff matters as we tell you over and over again that it doesn't matter. Like, he lost. He stunk. Just say, I stunk, and now we're trying again, and it's going to be good. I just think there's no accountability. They're all acting like what Sean Payton said was bad. Maybe it broke the bro code, but it's correct. 
He did get fired after 15 games. You yeah, are right. You are I, right. But in just, that. It takes some acceptance of the responsibility. Just get up and say, it didn't work out, but this is going to work out. Why not say that? I just don't get it. He's Matt Jones. I'm Michelle Smallman. We'll talk about that a little bit more next. Plus, could the Pac-12 be on their last legs if Arizona joins Colorado and leaving the conference? We'll talk about it on Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and the ESPN app. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. The University of Colorado leaving the Pac-12 for the Big 12. The move will happen after next season. We looked at it from a lot of lenses. Uh, First and foremost, what we felt was best for our student-athletes certainly was a consideration as well. He's Matt Jones. I'm Michelle Smallman. It's Canteen Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. And, Matt, it feels like every day I look up and there's a different headline about realignment in college football. And the latest is about Arizona. Arizona reportedly set to depart the Pac-12 and join Colorado in the Big 12 as realignment continues. If this happens, do you think that this is the end of the Pac-12, if Arizona, in in fact, leaves? I think it's not the end if Arizona State and Utah don't go, but there are politics and everything. So Arizona and Arizona State are both – it's a unique situation. They're both run by the same board of regents. So that doesn't happen in most states. Like the University of Kentucky and the University of Louisville have different board of regents. In Arizona, the same board of regents operates both of them. I can't imagine a world that board of regents allows Arizona to go to the good conference and Arizona State to stay in the bad one. Mm. So if they end up going together – which is the reports are they're going to go and then maybe Utah as well. That ends the Pac-12 because Oregon and Washington will immediately jump ship and head to the Big Ten. And then you're going to have four schools, California, Stanford, Washington State, and Oregon State that don't have a home. To be honest with you, who would have thought the University of Arizona would hold control? But I think they do, and I think it even goes further. If they do that and go to the Big 12, and then Oregon and Washington go to the Big Ten. Then the ACC is going to go find four teams 
and you're going to end up with four 16-team leagues. That's what it's going to be. And they're going. it's going to be musical chairs, and a couple teams are getting left out. So, like, UConn will probably end up in the ACC, and maybe, maybe Memphis. But those teams on the West Coast, if you're a California, a Stanford, an Oregon State, or a Washington State fan, you literally may see your college uh, sports future drastically change in the next week, and you had absolutely nothing to do with it. I don't know about you, but I am not a fan of all yeah, this Yeah, you real. said that. That surprises me. Why is that? Why does it surprise you that I don't like it? Well, okay, first of all, I, I usually judge this stuff by who someone was a fan of growing up. So what was your college team growing up? I went to Illinois. So I am Illinois. firmly so you're a, big a Big Ten, ten so, Okay, so you're a Big Ten person. And my yes. guess is, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure, but my guess is, you don't like that there is like Rutgers and Maryland and then there's <laughs> USC and you say you wish it was Midwest, like knock them, knock them in the face football. Is that right? Yes, correct. I just think that what one of the best parts about college football and what really differentiates it so much from the NFL are these amazing geographic rivalries. And I love that Pac-12 football, when you watch Pac-12 football, it had a certain style to it, a certain feel to it. Big Ten football is different than Pac-12 football. And I hate that all in the name of money and TV contracts, we're losing some of these rivalry games. You're having these these universities go to these different conferences and it's an awkward fit. Like, come on, Rutgers and Maryland should not be in the Big Ten. No, I, 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 I think they messed up. I think they messed up with those two. I, I'm with Nebraska? you. Nebraska? Where is Nebraska? We well, don't even okay. talk about Nebraska in the Big Ten. I, listen, I, I think, think these ne- teams lose their way. Nebraska's boring, but Nebraska's not that far from the Big Ten schools. It's actually very close to the Big Ten schools. But I I agree with you about Rutgers and Maryland. But I do think this is where you and I might be different. So I grew up a Kentucky fan. And we have always, in football, been at the bottom of our conference. And so my theory has always been – why should I watch us lose to every team? Let me lo- to lose to the same teams. Let me lose to some different teams. Now, Kentucky's, act- <laughs> Kentucky's actually gotten better in the last few years in football and have been competitive. But I, I don't know about you. So let me, again, I'm not a Big Ten fan. But I'm excited to watch USC go into the big house. I'm excited to watch USC and Michigan. I'm excited to watch those games. Next year, I'm excited to watch Alabama and Oklahoma. You know, Tennessee and Texas. I'm excited about that stuff. Now, it's weird when you add USC and UCLA coming across the country. There's a lot of issues there. And I think for the athletes that are non-football and basketball, do you really want your tennis team, if you're UCLA, to have to go to Rutgers and play tennis? That's tough. But the money is such now that it is what it is. And Pete Thamel on Twitter, ESPN's Pete Thamel said, is reporting, that the Pac-12 executives presented a deal to the Pac-12 presidents that was for Apple TV as their primary th- uh, primary you know service, and the t- deal would have tiers for how many of your fans subscribe. Now, hmm. I don't know, Michelle. I don't think that sounds like a great deal for the Pac-12. It, I'm just surprised that this would be the package that's presented because all of this is being driven by the television deals. Colorado got antsy because the PAC 12 hadn't presented it yet. It's part of the reason that they jumped ship and you wait all this time. And this is what you present that it will have incentivized tears and you have to galvanize and mobilize your fan base to sign up. And the national people can't see it. I mean, I am not going to get on Apple TV and watch Oregon state, Washington state. I'm just not. And I don't think most people, Michelle are going to do that either. 
He's Matt Jones. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming up next here on Canty and Carlin, another starting pitcher has been traded. We're going to tell you who and update you on the Major League Baseball trade deadline. Plus, can the Cleveland Browns win the AFC North? We're going to talk about both of those things coming up next. Keep it here on Canty and Carlin. You're listening to ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.